to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And Jamie, we've got some unfinished business here at the Roundtable. Did somebody kill our puppy? No, we are not talking about John Wick today. <laughs> okay, we have our friend, our gentleman who became a squire our last time together. Today, he's here to see if he can earn his K for knighthood. Mr. Sammy is back. Hello, Della Felegates. It's great to be back, sitting at the round table with these guys and being able to talk a little bit about some quality pop culture. Well, we are definitely talking about pop culture. I am a Star Wars fan. So what, what are we, what are we so reviewing the, tonight? The quality uh, may have to take a little seeking in this episode. As Sammy referenced in his intro, Delo Felegates, we are speaking about 2002's Star Wars, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, continuing our year of Star Wars leading up to Episode 9. Are we ever going to get a, a name of this movie? Hopefully, are they naming Episode 9? Uh, hopefully we get a name and a couple teasers, uh, my, my rumors being during Super Bowl. So hopefully very, very soon, as we're recording this, a little bit later to the release date that I'm comfortable with, um, we uh, we get some information there. Well, there's also been some discussion that April for Star Wars Celebration in Chicago is where we may get the first actual trailer. Oh, wow. That would be great. Yes. So, so it would be good, you know, because well, I've heard rumor of three teasers dropping during Super Bowl. And so that would give us uh, some time to digest, discuss, uh, tear apart those. Uh, So we're not here to talk about Episode 9 yet. We're here to talk about Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And guys, we just finished. We just come off of Groundhog Day. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. So this is where we're getting into a little bit of of a holiday spirit here. We're giving this to you on Valentine's Day for the true heart and love of this movie. Because when I think romance, I think Anakin and Padme. Anakin and Padme. I mean, of course, it's heartwarming. (laughs) For sure. sure. Romance, yeah. So we'll we'll get into that all later, guys. But yes. Anthony and Cleopatra. I mean, come on. Well, come on. We're we're not to the negatives yet. So so as we talk uh, this this episode, uh, Jamie, why don't you open us up with uh, your uh, thoughts uh, in general and grade of this movie? Um, well, as we mentioned on the uh, Phantom Menace episode, um, I loved Phantom Menace so much. This is the only Star Wars movie I didn't see in the theaters. Um, I was enamored with the prequels, um, and I, I've only this is probably the one I've, of, of all the Star Wars movies, the one I've, I've watched the least often. Um, so there's, there was still some stuff that kind of struck me as weird. Like some of the stuff that I didn't like, I guess in a pain, I remembered it being longer. Yeah. Like there was less of the bad stuff that I remembered, but also some of the stuff I liked, there wasn't as much of the good stuff as I liked. So my memories of this movie were actually, were pretty poor. Yeah. Um, but as I watched, I'm like, I was just struck again. This movie is beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, whatever, that I mean, is. whatever storytelling flaws there may be. I mean, this is a fantastic movie to look at. That it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's almost some Zack Snyder territory. Like we turn the volume off and you, you might enjoy it more, but, um, there's the, the acting is better than the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with one notable exception we'll, we'll have to address. Um, story's pretty convoluted. I mean, it's tough yeah. to follow the plot. Um, Anakin and Padme. Uh, I mean, it's that's pretty dodgy stuff there. Some of the action scenes go on a bit too long. Um, but 
I do. I did still enjoy most of the movie. There's there's one, okay. maybe two scenes where it's painful. I mean, really painful. Probably the low point of all of Star Wars. But I'm going to give it a C+. Plus. C+. Plus. C+. Okay. Plus. Up a little bit from Phantom Menace. Okay. Um, some of the stuff that I really didn't like earlier on didn't bother me as badly this time. So we're going up to a C+. Plus. C+, plus for Jamie. Okay, Sammy. Thank you for joining us again uh, here at our round table. Uh, we've been in discussion with a few more folks to fill out some uh, future episodes and, uh, you know, expand upon our kingdom. So, Sam, what is your opening thoughts and grade of this epic space opera? Well, you know, for me, it's definitely that situation of there's more than one movie here. And you've and, and I, I agree with Jamie that we have all of these different kind of plot lines and stories and and we've got all these cuts. And I think the biggest thing that hurt this movie is being the second movie. Mm-hmm. It has to bridge between episode one and episode three. And I think Lucas had the idea. I know what I need to get to to episode in episode three. So a lot had to be put into this movie. And I think that's where, you know, if, if the holes that it does have, I think that's where it comes in. So what I did is I looked at both of those movies that I saw, I graded them, and averaged <laughs> the score. Being the so, teacher, being the educator. Yes, being, being the educator I am. I tried to, I, I, you know, you try to approach every child at his or her own level. and So I, I looked at each side of, of the two parts, that the movie that I saw. And so I've decided to give this a B minus. A B minus. Okay, that's a very generous uh, grade. Uh, if if I may ask about your average, yes. Here, what um, what two movies are we grading? Here? We're trying to be spoiler free at this kinda, point. Yes, yeah, kinda, yes. Yeah, kind of kind of lay um, out a little bit of what's going on with, the, with the two movies. For me, the story that follows Anakin and Padme is the weaker side of the story. Okay. That was the least believable for me. And and I know this is all about love right now. So so <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm trying to keep it as positive as I can. Uh so that to me was the lower part. Uh the better part was the old school fan in me who was excited about seeing what I had been wondering about and questioning and and fantasizing in some ways what was the clones going to be like what was the clone war and so those to me are the two distinct parts and like i said by averaging those together i'm comfortable with the b minus okay yeah i believe we discussed a little bit uh, during our pre-show meeting and i think we've come down to maybe three distinct movies in here you know you have Obi-Wan Detective, which is great. You have Anakin and Padme's fugitive love story. Oh, it's a beautiful rom-com. Which is, you know, has (laughs) quite a bit to be desired here. And then you have the last, you know, what, 20, 30 minutes of the movie. It's just a straight-up action movie, which, uh, you know, Coming out in 2002, I know uh, we kind of skipped over, you know, 2002, directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas, and Jonathan Hales. He got a, another victim in here on that, um, starring Obi-Wan Kenobi as, or 
you and McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi. No, you're okay. He, Ob- he's Obi Wan Kenobi. He this is Obi Wan yes, Kenobi. Much so. Natalie Portman is Padme, uh, introducing a Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, uh, bringing in who Chris. has his moments in this movie. He he has his moments, and you know I'm I'm going to defend him a little bit as much as I'm going to beat up on him through this podcast. So yeah, he he has his moments. Of course, Christopher Lee coming into the Star Wars universe as Count Dooku, Darth Tyrannus. Uh, you know Sam Jackson making his return, Ian McDermott making his return. Um, I, I blew one of my daughter's minds when I told her like that Dooku guy, that's Saruman. Yes, <laughs> and you know, and Christopher Lee, if nothing else, has been prolific in his career. I mean, Definitely. you know, you you really can't. Um, my opening thoughts and grade of this movie. I seen this movie two thousand two. I can't wait to hear your grade. Opening day. <laughs> Um, at a theater that I didn't want to see it in because I didn't realize that the theater I wanted to see it in were doing pre-sales. And they were sold out for like three days. So like, oh man, I got to drive across town and see it at this big franchise theater instead of this cool locally owned theater that's just all maxed out. So uh, yeah, I had very positive, very positive uh, initial response to it. All the awkwardness included which was, was truly awkward even then. <laughs> My my true uh, thing here is, you know, uh, within the first week, I went to the theater that I initially wanted to see it in, uh, the privately owned one. The owner of the theater comes out dressed as a Jedi before the movie starts, dressed as a Jedi with the effects lightsaber, shoom, you know, and he's got the spot mic on him, and he says, welcome to this theater, and, you know, we've got this projectors with the, we've doubled the wattage in our balls we've sent the lenses off to double cut them you know to laser cut them to our screen size exactly we've got 72 speakers in here and this is you know lucasfilm sent some folks down to watch this movie opening day here let me tell you another story where are you guys from where you know who do i have people here from who who traveled the furthest to hear them and even in the first week here we had people like three or four states away a woman was flying in from Florida. Now, keep in mind, this is early in 2002, after the September 11th of 2001 incidents. So everyone is on heightened things. So airport security opens the bag, sees some robes, and a strange cylindrical object. <laughs> <laughs> they detain her oh, wow. for 13 hours. While she's being detained, she calls and says, listen, I've got a hotel booked. I've got my tickets for opening weekend. These guys aren't letting me leave. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, this is his story. So he says, here's my here's my number. You know, she called the theater. They got a hold of him. You know, the owner. He said, here's my personal number. You call me when you get into town. I will come and get you. Make sure you've had dinner, cleaned up, and you're in the next showing. So how cool is that? That's yeah, awesome. that, that's pretty cool. So I love, I'm going to tell you something, I love that theater. And even now that I've moved about two and a half hours away, this is still my theater of choice for Star Wars premieres. Since episode three, I've made sure I've had a ticket and am there anytime there's a Star Wars premiere. But that being said, this movie, man, is it's the parts that are good 
they flow and they go. The parts that are a drag are a true drag. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you, I think it was Sam who mentioned to the length of the movie. It really feels like a long movie when you're in some of these awkward emotional moments. And, and I'm going to stick with my grade, my grading system that I had started with. Um, all of you know the prequel movies are going to be an A-. minus. All of the original trilogy are going to be an A+. Plus, and all of the sequels so far are going to be an A. So, you know... I, I just love Star Wars so much. And when, Dwayne, when, when, when Dwayne drove to the recording tonight, he left his objectivity at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's firmly seated in my back pocket. <laughs> um, but anyway, oh. um, you know, I, I just, I don't know, just Star Wars is something I grew up with. I think we talked about this during episode one recording. This isn't the story I had told myself in my head. This is the, not the story my action figures acted out. You know, but what we get is we get uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi doing what the Jedi Knight's done, you know, going on the detective mission, going on the mission, finding out what's going on. We have Anakin showing his awkwardness, being raised a slave and then being shuffled directly into essentially a monastic life, being infatuated with the gorgeous Natalie Portman. How do I talk for her? You know, what what words will come out of my mouth? Like a lot of us when we talk to attractive girls. You know, it's just not working for him. So that's that's going to be my grade. That's going to be what I stick with. Uh, do you guys have anything else you would like to uh, say before we take a quick break here? And then we'll get into our what we're going to do this time. I believe we're going to do a run through. I think we've got us broken into about three sections. So what we'll do is I'm going to take a quick break here and then we'll come back with section number one. And uh, then we'll continue on from there. Do you guys have any thoughts? Now let's spoil this thing. No, let's, let's do it. it. So here we go. And welcome back to the show. And it is uh, time for the spoiler part of the show. So if by some reason you haven't seen this movie, this is the point where you, I guess, just keep listening at this point. Um, but so we're going to we're going to go through our world famous Wikipedia walkthrough here. And uh, so we're going to go with we've broken it into three parts. We're going to go with part one here and I'm going to read it for us. It says 10 years after the Trade Federation's invasion of Naboo. The Galactic Republic is threatened by the Separatist movement organized by former Jedi Master Count Dooku. Senator Padme Amidala comes to Coruscant to vote on a motion to create an army to assist the Jedi against this threat. Narrowly avoiding an assassination attempt upon arrival, she is placed under the protection of Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and his apprentice Anakin Skywalker. The two Jedi thwart a second attempt on her life and subdue the assassin Zam Wessel. She is killed by her client, a bounty hunter, before she can reveal his identity. The Jedi Council instructs Obi-Wan to find the bounty hunter, while Anakin is tasked to protect Padme and escort her back to Naboo, where he expresses his romantic feelings for her. Oh. And that boy's game is weak. Boy's got some. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is true. Yeah, he, he definitely has some weak, uh, some weak game. Yeah, so this uh, movie, I mean, it really starts out, like you said, it starts out beautifully. Oh, yeah. 
with with the crawl the, the the chrome spaceship of a new design like the big flying wings and, the, and there's in. spots in this movie where you can tell this was o2 this is pretty early cgi it's not yeah. the best there's some spots where like some of the stuff looks weird it's not in the opening of this movie no this looks as, great as you know as the diplomatic barge is coming in and it just it inverts it as it's going into the lower part of coruscant i mean just that that flip and then the naboo cruisers you know the starfighters beside of them you know as they're going yeah. in you know yeah. even skimming the clouds and you're seeing the tops of the you know the the skyscrapers that are coming through you know this really gives us a view of what Coruscant is yeah. more than we got in episode one. It looks and it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's, there's times when like some of the CGI people are moving. They don't. It doesn't look natural and it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't hold up. Like you go back and watch like the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like yeah. some of that stuff doesn't hold up either. Right. It kind of looks like that same kind of stuff. But anything involving space, the spaceships, the city stuff, the planets, it looks amazing. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. The uh, anything that is not a a, a, a being. Yeah. Even alien beings get kind of look kind of funky in this movie. Uh, you know, it's gorgeous. You, you get a being in there, it looks kind of weird. Just a little bit of behind-the-scenes note, this is the first Star Wars movie recorded completely digitally. Hmm. This mm-hmm. one's the first one recorded in Australia. They made the move. Episode 1 was recorded in England. They moved to Australia for this one. Um, after a lot of the Lord of the Rings production you know got so big during this time mm-hmm. uh, so that that's some things another thing you guys were talking about the spaceships and the starfields coming in. if i'm not mistaken i'm gonna go back and watch this again if i'm not mistaken this is the only star wars movie that pans opposite from the other ones all the other ones pan down this one pans up mm-hmm. and it's cool because when you come into the planet you're orienting yourself in space you're you're, you're flipping you're doing that flip around uh, so yeah this was a complete kind of shift and this being the middle chapter of the trilogy you know it's normally kind of a darker more introspective stranger chapter uh, but yeah the uh, assassination attempt at the beginning was kind of of uh, I mean, you just blow up the whole ship right and too i love that ship i know it was gorgeous <laughs> it's beautiful it was. but you still missed yeah I mean, you still miss the person. Uh, granted, she had a, a duplicate bodyguard. Which you would think by now somebody would have caught on to that. Somebody's learned that <laughs> trick. You well, know? And, and you know what's really, really funny, and I didn't realize this until I started going back and looking. You know, the the handmaiden in this case was Corday, mm-hmm. who was plays, played by Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Uh, who eventually goes on to play Mortimer McTaggart in some wonderful baby X-Men movies yep. uh, and then a number of other other movies. So so very much the way that Handmaidens have in the past, you know, eventually have went on to do bigger yeah. things. Oh, yeah. All, you know, all of the Handmaidens. Yeah. I mean, you have you have Rose Byrne, you have Kira Knightley, mm-hmm. um, I believe even Sofia Coppola mm-hmm. was, yes. was in there. Yeah. So I was so, just yeah. kind but, of thought that was funny. But I, I mean, the... The, that's a surprise. You don't expect that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But that early in this movie, I, I love the chase scene. I mean, it's because um, they they because like they they have her in her hotel and it's I guess it's the hotel. I don't really know. Um, but they start chasing the bounty hunters and that whole chase. It's it's fabulous. I, I love the chase scene. Yeah, that is her residence. Um, in the the whole building is full of senators apparently. Oh, um, if, if, yeah, if you get into the uh, expanded universe a little bit, the whole building is kind of full of of senators. Um, when Palpatine's talking about you know securing 
well, securing security, but getting security for her. <laughs> um, he, he, he refers to, you know, what about Anakin and Obi-Wan? And uh, Mace Windu does the throwaway line. Yeah, they've just returned from a border dispute on Ancium, which is a novel called Rogue Planet, which comes into play in the old expanded universe of legend stuff a lot later. But uh, that novel is very interesting. And uh, the planet actually has hyperdrives and the whole planet will move hmm. from time to time. Hmm. And uh, it's 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 a living entity. You, you find out, spoiler alert for the book, but the planet is a living entity you find out later on. But, you know, that's another thing that was happening during this time. You had a lot of expanded universe stuff, kind of key to story plots. Because during that book, we find out that Anakin is hoping to finish up that mission so he can take a leave and go see his mom. Mm. And he gets thrown right back into another mission, which is part of his frustration, you find out. But uh, going back to this, this scene, part of what I like about it, and that I feel like the rest of the entire trilogy misses, is I feel like in this scene that the way that Anakin and Obi-Wan interact, mm-hmm. they feel like they're actually really friends. Like They've got some real, there's some real personality to their relationship yeah. that I feel like is lacking to like almost the rest of the time they interact with each other. Yeah, the chase scene is, is a ton of fun, you know, and, and the sarcasticness that yeah, they have it's just, between each other. Yeah, it's just not other. there the rest yeah. of the time. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the uh, the design of the spaceships, you know, going back to the Chrome one and the, the one that uh, Anakin gets to catch Obi-Wan as he, yeah. you know, uh, is falling from the, the drone that dropped him. And he's, you know, it's a fly underneath him. And Obi-Wan says, what took you so long? You know, I've been falling here, you know, and he's, oh, I had to find the right, you know, open cockpit and the right color and everything. And yeah, they're just kind of bantering back and forth. And it's like fun, you know, yeah. it's fun. And they feel like they have a real relationship. And you don't, I don't get that from the rest of the, the movies. And, and you yeah. know, what? what's different with that, though, is for a master and apprentice, that's a very different kind of relationship. You know, if you look at, at Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan as master and apprentice, mm-hmm. there was a little bit of banter, but there was a reverence there mm-hmm. also that I think you picked up from Obi-Wan. But you don't see that as much with the Obi-Wan-Anakin relationship. And I think that's telling, uh, you know, as we go through the movie and, and especially in the, the scenes in the, the uh, kind of the residence there, you know, how off-putting and uncomfortable, even the characters in the room, you can tell, feel uncomfortable. Do you, do you think that's because Anakin was a jer- is just a jerk? <laughs> or, or is it because Obi-Wan wasn't really even a Jedi? At the point he took on Anakin, like he was still a Padawan at that point, he hadn't passed the test yeah, he yet. He had just he had just been assigned to knighthood. Now, that was an odd thing, um, and it's kind of told upon a little bit in the Clone Wars cartoon, uh, not the uh, Dave Filoni one, but the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like, you know, he's kind of an odd apprentice. So when Anakin becomes a knight. They say, you know, just like his master, you know, his his knighthood will be different too. Generally speaking, in the history that I've read, I guess quote unquote canonically, you know, from from the Lucasian side of it, you didn't get an apprentice until you were a master. And you know, here Obi Wan is, which Obi Wan's apprenticeship, you find out, kind of took a while too. Um, in the expanded universe, you find out Obi-Wan's apprenticeship took a while. Qui-Gon didn't select him until he was like 12 or 14. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of said that he's 28 or 30 during the events of 
the Phantom Menace. Really? Hmm. I yeah. didn't get that vibe at all. I, I, I didn't get that vibe at all. Either, you know, and it was kind of strange when 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 Lucas talks about some of these some of their ages because it seems like the, that the Jedi use the Force to almost preserve themselves. You know, they live such a healthy monastic, yeah. you know, physical life. Um, so I mean, you look at this point. You know, he's he's what thirty eight, forty. At this movie, yeah, so I don't, I don't get that either. Yeah, I don't, I don't right. get that either. Yeah. You know, um, also, you know, it's just odd. You know, their relationship. Anakin is also having Palpatine. We learn that he's kind of going back and forth to Palpatine during his free time, getting information, getting advice, and things. And Palpatine's telling him how great and awesome and cool he is. And Obi Wan's like, no, you know, we have to limit. We have to limit. We have to limit. So. He is challenging. He's bucking on that authority. Well, you know, and I, with Palpatine, I think that also comes across when we first see the interaction between Anakin and Palpatine in this movie. The feel is different. The mm -hmm. reverence is there. Yeah. That's not yeah. there with Obi Wan. Exactly. And I, I feel like too that this this movie because the the, the 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 events of the movie are so dependent on you know Palpatine's plot. Mm -hmm. I mean, but there's so little Palpatine in the movie. Then I feel like that really hurt it. Like if we'd seen him doing more, if seen him, you know, talking about actually strategizing and planning and making things happen, I felt like the plot would have been easier to follow and figure out how the pieces fit together. Because I feel like if you just sit and watch the movie, it's hard to figure out like what it, what exactly is Palpatine trying to accomplish and how is he setting things in place. Yeah. And I feel like if we'd had, you know, Ian McDermott on scene on like before us doing more things it would have mm -hmm. helped helped you know the viewer follow along yeah this isn't an independent movie that you could sit down and say i'm going to watch attack of the clones i have no clue <laughs> what's going on with star wars i'm yeah. going to sit down and watch this and probably even remotely understand what's going on yeah which i mean i've i watched phantom menace well we just recorded recently and i've watched it a couple times before then mm -hmm. and i still have trouble figuring it all out i'm like okay so, so he's responsible for the clones. Okay, now what did he? I just don't think. Okay, was he responsible for the, the droids too? On the droid army too? I'm like, right. well, how does all this fit? How does he expect this to work? I mean, it was. I mean, it's still. You got to stop and start scratching your head and getting flowchart out and start. You know, <laughs> you know string and exactly. it, it, it definitely gets interesting when you <clears throat> look at at Palpatine's machinations with this. I mean, he's definitely playing the long game. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, by the time we get to this movie, this has been 10 years. And even before that, uh, I believe I'd read, I think it was in the Star Wars, the re most recent Star Wars visual dictionary was saying that Palpatine himself was a construct. He wasn't really a real person. His entire life was created because Sidious wanted to start laying this groundwork. Mm -hmm. so. It's an awfully convoluted plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very. Yeah, it really is. And that is, you know, again, a weakness, I think, of all the prequels, because you kind of have to have all of these ancillary stories to kind of fill you in. Oh, he is responsible for the clone army as well as the droid army. He's playing both sides against yeah. the middle. You know, he's playing, you know, he's the way he's got it set up, no matter who wins the war, the Jedi are going to lose. But it's it's tough to to just as you watch the movies to follow that. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. But you know, talking about this movie and being able to follow it, I mean, you know, Obi Wan and Anakin they follow the assassin through yeah. the uh sorry I got us off track. No, no, that's great. We they follow <laughs> the assassin through the cityscapes, they around buildings, through the uh industrial sector, uh, you know, watch out for the power couplings. And then Anakin does the um does the dive 
off the speeder and lands on the assassin's speeder and uh, we find out that it's a changeling it's a it's an alien that can change its appearance and they go into a bar in the bar you see Anthony Daniels and Ahmed Best mm-hmm. as different characters. I don't know if either of you guys yes, picked up I on did. those. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Daniels. I think Daniel was it Faitani or something like yeah, that is his Daniel name, Fatoni, his yeah. character name there. Yeah, they they get some some crazy names, but yeah, yeah uh, Ahmed Best is in there, and they're both kind of in military uniforms, um, talking uh, to talking to different people, and uh, you know we we get to see here kind of Obi Wan's calling card. He's he's a bit of an arm chopper. <laughs> well, it, it does. It, it it does reflect back to, you know, well, I could say reflect back or foreshadow foreshadows, you know. Yeah. So, you know, the 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 bar later on. Mm. So, I mean, Obi Wan knows his way around a bar, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you something funny. You know, of course, you know, you take off the you take off the whip and hand disarm. But I'll tell you something funny too is uh, in it's a the pretty uh, permanent disarming. Yeah, that's a pretty permanent, <laughs> pretty literal disarming too. <laughs> in the uh, I don't think it was the the fate of the Jedi books. I think that's what there was. It was the last big series before the Disney purchase. The first three books deal with the Jedi dealing with all of the lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> All of the, you know, uh, backlash <laughs> of, you know, oh, you know, while you guys were chasing the, this one guy and doing all this investigation, you chopped off three people's arms, crashed three speeders, and wrecked the city block. Who's paying for this? <laughs> and yeah, so you have like a nine book series that starts off and deals with one, Jedi going crazy, and two, the population at large kind of saying like you know hey jedi sith we're done with them <laughs> we're, we're, i'm tired of my tax dollars going to you know? <laughs> and uh yeah so you, but anyway so you see uh, obi-wan's calling card there and they find out that it is a uh a bounty hunter hired by another bounty hunter yeah and you and, okay. I, and my first thing is like my first seeing like Man, how old is Boba Fett? <laughs> like, how, how is he still doing it? You know, and then you realize later on, it's, you know, it's obviously somebody right. else in Mandalorian armor. But my first instinct was like, "What's Boba Fett doing here?" What's Boba Fett here? doing here? Yeah. Well, you see, you see the silhouette, and you know, and that's really all, all you see in the, that first scene when he's handing Zam, you know, the the little arthropod creatures there that that's used to assassinate going to assassinate yeah. Padme and you see the, the 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 jet pack and you see those types of things and and so your first instance is oh my gosh yeah it was old yeah <laughs> but you know you were talking about there in the bar I mean and talking about this relationship just the little throwaway lines when oh, Obi-Wan yes. says Anakin I think you'll be the death of me <laughs> you know I mean all these little things yeah. that that I think make you kind but, of but, laugh. But, but then you're talking about that, that, that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about a new hope, the way Obi-Wan talks about Anakin, you know, Luke's father, this is really the only time in the prequels you kind of s- see where that kind of description would come from because the rest of the time, Anakin's just this horrible jerk. Never mind. Go ahead. And, um, and, and the, or he's, or they're not really that close. It's just this, it's, this is like the only moment where I can see like, yeah, that's where that kind of reverence would come right. from. Is this, this this is the only scene in the prequels where I see that, you know? 
And I wish there'd been more of it. Yeah, um, I think that's one of the weaknesses of of them starting off with a nine year old Anakin, yeah. and then leaping forward. This probably should have been the first movie. Well, probably the last half of this movie should have been the first half of the first movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go from there. You see their relationship. You see them on missions. You see them going through some stuff. You see a little bit more of the Clone Wars. And then you're not jamming so much into Revenge of the Sith. On the big screen. You're not jamming so much in Revenge of the Sith. You don't need six seasons yeah. of the Clone Wars on, you know, Cartoon Network. Because then, then, like, the turn happens so fast. <laughs> it feels like in Revenge of the Sith. And in this movie, you just feel like it's all just in such a hurry. Right, mm-hmm. and it just it's like if there, if there hadn't been the Phantom Menace, we could have taken a longer time to see him really slowly turn and slowly be corrupted by the dark side, and we didn't get that. And well, I, I would like yeah. to have seen that. And I think we could look at Anakin and Padme's relationship the same way. Yeah, if they would have been able to do that and take their time and develop it, I think it would have been a more believable yeah. relationship. Yeah, instead of being so forced. And you know, I know we've talked about Anakin. Um, or well, we've talked about Padme having some wooden acting. She really carries that torch through this movie. <laughs> I think she's a little know? better in this movie. <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think she's kind of. I think she kind of hit her peak with uh, <laughs> the first movie, <laughs> and then has just maintained that throughout. But you know, as much grief as as Hayden Christensen has got uh, for his portrayals, Anakin Skywalker, the the stoic wooden. You know, kind of not too emotional. I mean, he's being trained a very monastic life. He's being told, you know, attachment doesn't matter. No attachments, no attachments, no attachments. Um, he delivers a cadence and a tempo that is James Earl Jones Vader all the way, I feel. Well, I, I think that as, as I rewatched it this time, and I, and I see, I'm, in my memory, this was the movie where he was bad, that he was better in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And I think, as I, as I kind of, because I watched him really closely this time, and I think what I noticed was, is that he's good with in every scene except when he's with Padme. Mm-hmm. The scenes with Natalie Portman are just awful. Both of them. They're not good together. Right. I think they, I guess the actors maybe don't have any chemistry with each other. But when he's with um, Ewan McGregor, he's fine. When he's with Ian McDermott, he's fine. Those are all fine scenes. But when he when he when he's trying to do stuff with Padme, it just doesn't work. And I mean, like, cause we. The, the scenes in the, the senator house. I mean, he's just leering her like a, like a stalker, man. It's it's creepy. Yeah. Like I told, okay. I told my wife, it looks like the look he gives is like, man, you would look good stuffed in the freezer in my garage. It's kind of the look he gives her. It's well, creepy. Well, I'm going to be really honest. You know, fr- from the get-go with her whole line, oh, Anakin, you'll always be that little boy I met on <laughs> oh, Tatooine. And, and she doesn't even give him the full Anakin. She's like, oh, Annie. Annie, yes. Yeah, Annie. So she you immediately childifies him. Well, they started off creepy, and they just yeah. kept it going. But, <laughs> But this idea of ten years has passed, and, and I and I've I've asked a couple different people, you know, if you had met this guy, you know, and then ten years later you happen to meet him again, and he's that intense into you, like every one that I asked, every lady that I asked was like stalker. Yeah, you know? when he Honestly, gives her that look, yes. I mean, he gives a stalker look all the way through, and like he, he looks like he should be staring at her through blinds. I mean. Or like in her driveway or something. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a weird look he gives her. Yeah. What, but what, what is it that he's going to fridge her? It, it kind of looks <laughs> that way, doesn't it? Like, man, you would look great in the trunk of my car. I mean, it kind of. I mean, it's, it's a weird look he he gives whenever he's looking at her. But when he's with Hugh McGregor, right? They're good, you know. Agreed. With Ian McDermott, he's good, but it's just something about when he's his game is not just weak; it's creepy. Yeah. I mean, well, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so after the chase scene, they split up. They so split up, yeah. They, Obi-Wan goes off to do the best thing in the entire movie and goes to Kamino. Mm-hmm. And then we have Padme and Anakin go to Naboo. You know, I want to bring your guys' attention to something right now. What do you guys think about Ernest Borgnine with four arms running a diamond? <laughs> <laughs> that was some CGI that didn't hold up. I enjoyed the scene. Yeah. It was rough looking. Yeah, the though. character was great. Great concept. The scene yeah. was fun. You know, what is this? And, you know, you go through the whole thing, and then you have him investigating the archives. If if it's not in our archives, it doesn't exist. You know, and then he goes to Yoda uh, teaching the younglings, which I thought was a really cool view into. I, I, the, I liked that scene. Yeah. yeah, where kind of what Yoda's job is. Because they all, you know... He should Obi-Wan. have slapped his forehead, though. If like, a little kid can figure it out, he couldn't. I mean, he really, <laughs> really should have been an Obi-Wan. He should have been whacked him with the stick. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned... Uh, That's a good scene, though. You mentioned the diner. You know, that that's where, to me, Lucas was kind of pulling in his little American graffiti, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And the funny thing is, that type of diner situation has been used before in Star Wars. In the original droids cartoon, oh. okay, the first episode, 3PO and R2 get a job at Dudnik's Cafe. <laughs> Dude. Right? And... Yes, I know. Dudnik. Dudnik's Cafe, okay? And Dudnik is a very similar-looking alien Mm. to Dex. And actually, if you check the Star Wars databank, Dex and Dudnik knew each other. (laughs) And they grew up together, actually. So this is the the lovely part of Star Wars where they they try to tie everything in. (laughs) Please tell me there are two droids at Dudnik's, one named... 8i11 and another one named T3O, T3D. They, they may have been the previous droids because 3PO and R2 became the servers. So they were actually the servers. So as opposed to, uh, what is it, Wanda and, and Harmony that I think worked there with Dex. So. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's just too much fun. So, so Obi-Wan goes off to Kamino. And I love Double O Obi Wan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, it's it's my favorite like stretch of the movie. It's him like playing along, and it's just I, I enjoy that so much. And I, I and I think those are character designs that hold up. I think mm-hmm. the, the 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 weird spindly Camino Caminoans, the Caminoans, Caminoans, yeah. I think they, I think they look great. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it both ways. The Caminoans or the Caminoans, yeah. yeah. But the the yeah, the long grays. Aliens, yeah. yeah, real. I think I think everything there looks great. The the way the planet's designed, the interior of the of their cities, I think, or whatever that is, their factory or the the training stuff, it all looks good in there. Yeah, it's very very beautiful. Yeah, seen there. Yeah, uh, but then again, you know, you have Anakin and Padme going. Yeah, we have to, to keep Naboo. cutting back to Naboo. <laughs> well, well, they they go to Naboo and uh, you know, hey, Naboo is beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, this is I made a comment earlier about turning the sound off. This is where you turn it off. Yeah. If you don't hear what they're actually saying to each other, yeah, I, I could roll with it. Like, oh, it looks like they're doing romantic things. <laughs> and you, know, you, you kind of get into Anakin's head a little bit, where he is able to succumb to the dark side when they're in the field yeah. talking about politics. You know, why don't you know people just get together and figure out how to do, you know, figure out what's right and then do that? She says, "Well, we try to." He's like, "Well, why don't somebody just make everybody yeah. do what's right." It sounds like, it sounds like a dictatorship. What if it works? What if it works? You know, hey. 
there were so many times where she should have checked out of this relationship, and that was one of them. Well, well I mean, essentially, he's negging her. I mean, he, he's basically making her feel negative about herself and what she believes. Oh. You know, and, and so, you know, this, this can be a very um, – I guess macho guy approach to try to get the girl is you, you turn negative on her and she in turn feels like she should listen to you more. I don't know how this exactly works. I never understood it, but uh, I'd, I'd, like I said, I agree. She should have checked out a long time ago. Well, she gives him a look. Here's the scene you're talking about. She gives him she a look. She gives him the look. Yes. And then he kind of laughs and she like laughs with him and plays it off. Oh, we got right. not seriously. I'm like, I'm like I just I just want to shake her, you know. Well, not I don't want obviously I don't want to shake her, but like you just want to like you want to tell him like, look, this guy is a he's, he's a weirdo. Number one, and number two, he's serious about all this stuff. But you know, I know we go back to Anakin's situation, you know, being strange as he was being raised. But I mean, she's she, kind of a weirdo she too. Didn't really have a childhood either. I mean, she was into politics, queen at. 12, 13? Yeah, yeah. You know, because she um, was the youngest queen. In yeah, the youngest queen history. ever. So, yeah. yeah um, but I, but I do, I do want to cut him a little bit of slack because um, got a teenager in my house now. I'm raising a teenager, and teenagers are melodramatic. Um, they just are. Like so, like as I've gotten older, and I'm not as close to their age anymore. As I, as I, as the older I get, and the more I see teenagers for what they really are, not what I thought I was. Like, teenagers are melodramatic, and so some of this stuff, I'm like, I can roll with it a little bit better. Like Padme and Anakin being super dramatic about everything, mm-hmm. and everything super intense, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's teenagers. Teenagers <laughs> yeah. are kind of like that. Yeah, they're kind of moody, melodramatic, and yeah, they don't I'm, make the best decisions. Yeah. As we see, Richard, for I'm here. Yeah. Um, okay, um, we've already touched on a little bit of our part two here, so... Sam, I believe you're going to take off uh, right. part two, if you don't care to go ahead and get into that right now. So our part two, Obi-Wan's investigation leads him to the mysterious ocean planet of Kamino, where he discovers an army of clones being produced for the Republic, with bounty hunter Jango Fett serving as their genetic template. Obi-Wan deduces Jango to be the bounty hunter he is seeking, and after a fierce battle, places a homing beacon on their ship, the Slave One. Obi-Wan then follows Jango and his clone son, Boba Fett, to the rocky planet Geonosis. Meanwhile, Anakin is troubled by visions of his mother, Shmi, in pain, and decides to head to Tatooine with Padme to save her. Wada reveals that he sold Shmi to Kleeg Lars, who then freed and married her. Kleeg tells Anakin that she was abducted by Tusken Raiders weeks earlier and is likely dead. Determined to find her, Anakin ventures out and finds Smee at the Tuscan campsite, where she dies in his arms. Enraged, Anakin massacres the Tuscan tribe. He later declares to Padme that he will find a way to eliminate death. Boom, boom, boom. So yeah, I know. Uh, like I said earlier, we had I, I, that's my bad. I briefly, no, no, it's not bad. We didn't get. I mean, we didn't uh, spoil or get anything too deep. Uh, you know, we we were just kind of brushing up against it. That's why I wanted to go ahead and, and get the the reading of that out of the way. But you know, Obi Wan going to Camino and you know the the design there, like you were saying, Jamie. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And um, you know. And, and the way they have all the clones lined up, you know it's just the one guy, but yeah. it's seamless. Like, it really does look like yeah. there's a whole room full of Django Fitz. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the uh, of the more teenage young adult clone, but, you know, one guy 
they just filmed him doing different stuff and compositing Daniel mm-hmm. Logan, uh, the 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 ten year old uh, version of of uh, the clone. You know, just doing everything over yeah. and and filming him. It was great. Yeah, it was. It really was beautiful and really well done. The explanation there, because I had no idea what the Clone Wars were when Obi Wan says to Luke, "You know, yeah, we served together in the Clone Wars." And talking about as well, I was like, "Clone Wars? What's that? What's the Clone Wars? What's the Clone Wars? Who's cloned? Who's cloned? Are they cloning yeah. people? Are they cloning? You know, and what are the clones' deal? You know, were they used?" For, were they fighting for their rights like slavery? You know, where they're being cloned to do manual labor? And they should have teamed up with the droids. They <laughs> <laughs> get all, all the slaves get together. Uh, but you Only the, the super battle droids. And <laughs> as three we, could have led them. As we find out here, you know, uh, as the clones are all from Jango Fett, that we find out, is the bounty hunter in the Mandalorian armor. And his only request was one unaltered clone. Unaltered. What do you mean unaltered? You know, and that's where we find out that they have been uh, made to be a little bit more subservient to commands. They've made to be maybe a little bit tougher. And I'll tell you some cool books is the, um, oh, what was those uh, Karen Travis done at the, uh, the Republic Commandos, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Republic Commando books. There's about three of them. And it goes into a group of clones that uh, were made and not modified at all. And then another group that were made and made to be just a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more crazy. And they call them the Nulls. And the, and they couldn't even train them. The Kaminoans couldn't even train them. They had to send them off with these other. And in that storyline, Jango Fett had got all of these Mandalorian mercenaries to train the troops. So it wasn't just the Kaminoans. They were doing flash training they each one had like, and there was only one little guy that they would listen to and they were absolutely insane in those books. But it talks about how they were kind of a little bit tougher. Like, so if you get wounded in, in battle, you know, it might be a little bit easier to you know, no, they, fix they, they, your lung or, or, or yeah. you know, do an amputation. They had something. the heavier armor on them. Yeah, and the commandos had that. Cause I thought from the way they were describing Boba being, an ultra. I, I took it just to mean he didn't have the obedience stuff. Yeah, he didn't in. have he didn't have the aging and he didn't have the obedience. Yeah, stuff. that was all right. I caught from the yeah. movie. and and that's all that they really touch on in the movies. But like I okay. said, if you get into those books a little bit, you kind of mm-hmm. get into more of the you know what you know they did to them mentally. You know, like they they given them a, a the 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 commandos anyway. They gave them like perfect memory, photographic okay. memory. They gave them a little bit you know uh, tougher. Uh, organs and skin you know kind of so that's so working on would be easier and i believe there was a video game based on that that's, also that's it was a first person shooter uh-huh. uh, first uh, person that was the video game republic commando yep. but I, I liked how him you and mcgregor just he the way he just sort of rolled with stuff mm-hmm. and it just I, he was re- very charming the yep. way he did it all it was really i, I, I liked his performance through those scenes yeah. i know really he's charming yeah i know he's scottish but he brought out that you know that charm that yeah uh, oh yeah and I, during this time well, when they well, were of sort course of i'm out. here to check out the clone <laughs> army yeah. yeah why else would i be here yeah <laughs> it was like he was doing an audition tape to be the next james bond or something i mean it was i mean I really i just i really I, fi- I find that really that all that whole set of scenes really endearing i mean i just like it but then we keep going back to naboo yeah. <laughs> and then it's not me this time yeah um <laughs> And then I, that everything about Tatooine doesn't sit right with me, except for one little bit when they're deciding to go there, 
And Anakin is actually going to follow the rules for one. It says he can't. He's been told not to. She's like, well, you've been told to protect me, and I'm going. Yeah. And I feel like that's the only scene, that 30 seconds is the only <laughs> scene in the entire movie that Hayden Christensen and Ellie Portman have any chemistry at all. It's, that's it. In the entire movie, that little scene. This is great. The only time their relationship works. Yep. I can, I can definitely see that. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Because even before then, you know, you have the, uh, the scene at the dinner table when he's floating the fruit. You know, with and you have them by the fireplace. Now I'm gonna tell you that is the most awkward scene. I can almost hear George Lucas say, "Action," and then they start reacting, you know, to each other. But they're sitting there like looking so miserable. They do. And then they start up. Um, I know you talked about them seeing like uh, Hayden Christensen and Obi Wan having great chemistry. Hayden Christensen and you know any any scene aside from Natalie yeah. Portman watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I know I always get into behind the scenes stuff with these cause I, I love it almost as much as the movies. Found out Hayden Christian was smoking about three packs a day <laughs> doing all this lightsaber stuff. So she, he probably smelled like an ashtray. There's <laughs> one of the reasons she didn't want to get around him. And apparently during this time, you and McGregor had taken to trying to pickle himself. Um, which is, I think is some of the times you see like his beard makeup looking so weird yeah. is, is I believe he was coming to work pretty tore up a few times wow. um, from, from rumors and things that I've read. You know, I don't know any of these people. I'm not passing any type of judgment, but yeah, he had taken and trying to pickle himself. And of course you've seen Ewan McGregor and uh, Qui-Gon Jinn playing with the lightsaber, zoom, 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 you know, doing all this stuff. And if you watch him and Hayden Christian do- Christensen doing it, I mean, Hayden Christensen was probably a better swordsman than Ewan McGregor. If not, he was daggone close. But he was fast. He was on it, and they would they would wail on each other. And he, he looks and, really athletic too. Like, yeah. I, I can see I can see how great Hayden Christensen got the part. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and he wasn't as massive yeah. as as you know Vader in by any stretch. He wasn't as tall. He wasn't as you know, of course, deep voiced. But you find out you know how all that happens later. But yeah, he was a very very athletic, yeah. uh, you know. You know, I think when, when Lucas cast him, he had said he was looking for somebody who was boyish but had kind of a James Dean quality. You know, that that kind of, you know, feel about him, rebel without a cause type of feel. I guess the smoking hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in, if, if you just look at him physically, you know, he's, he's kind of a, a modern, you know, kind of a slimmer, you know, he kind of. It has a passing resemblance to Dean. I could kind of see, but yeah, so, I mean, just just the attitude it can carry. Yeah, so she, so she forces him to go to um, to Tatooine, and then everything happens on Tatooine is bad. And here you meet Owen Lars 1.0, <sighs> Cleeg Lars, and Beru. Did you did you did you notice Lars? We've seen him before on not Nerds of the Round Table. No, I did not. Please enlighten. Yeah, he was uh, Michael Shannon's sidekick in Midnight oh, Special. Owen. Oh, Owen, okay. I thought you were referring to Cleek. I thought you were referring no, to Cleek. No, no, yeah. 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 Uh, Owen, Joel yes. Edgerton. Uh, Joel Edgerton, a yeah. huge fan of Joel Edgerton. I'm sorry, I apologize. I thought you were referring to Cleek, Lars, <laughs> that we had seen before. But yeah, I love Joel Edgerton. And I'm going to tell you something. You look at Joel Edgerton, you look at Bonnie Peace um, as uh, Aunt Beru. I mean, that, those two sons must be a real wreck on your skin. <laughs> I mean, two gorgeous people. Yeah. 
I mean, you look at him in episode four, you're like, dang. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little hard. Dang, that desert's a B, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rough place but to I, live. But, but I don't buy anything that happens here. No. I really don't. The way he interacts with uh, Watto, I don't like. the way, Kleeg's whole thing, like, well, she's probably dead. We went after her. It was tough, so I didn't try again. Yeah, I mean, I, the man lost a leg. Yeah, you know, but, but still, but it's just like still, he wasn't yeah. like, dude, you should be, like, devastated. You're like, nah, I'll buy another wife, I guess. I mean, it's just. You know, I guess. Well, think about this for a minute, though. We, we know, obviously, that Shmi's not his first wife. And if you look at the, the burial scene, there's three stones there. They must go through a lot of there's, th- there's three <laughs> stones when they find when they do bury Shmi. There's three stones there. So you say so you're saying he's numb and dead inside. <laughs> That's what well well now, gotta if, wonder. now if you look if you look at that you have the two larger graves, which would right. be there are the two and larger wife. and then and there's, there's a smaller, smaller. So I I was thinking maybe he'd lost his wife in childbirth. Uh, it could be my point on it. And, but, you that, know, but, but that whole that whole interaction. Yeah, the whole weird. interaction was weird. But you know, guys, people who live in hard, harsh conditions that, you know, lose a lot of things, you know, people included, you know, sometimes may, may be a little bit hard and just say, you know, hey, happens yeah but this was basically last week and he yeah. didn't know for sure that she was wasn't just being tortured every day by the tuscan raiders <laughs> which which you find out looks, yeah, looks to <laughs> yeah. be the case yes. yeah i mean so it and then he, he storms off and like just leaves padme with these random people he doesn't know these people his whole job is to be guarding her he wasn't even going to come to tatooine he was going to guard her he right. just like, you just you hang out here i'm gonna take care of this and right. he looks at her and says you know they're good people I'm like how do you know this i'm like and then, and then the whole thing with the Tuscan Raiders, and this is, I think, this is one of the biggest flaws in the entire prequels. Um, we don't see the slow turn. Like this guy, it just seems like this guy was hardwired to be evil. Like there was no turn. He just didn't have the opportunity to be evil. Well, it's a snap. You know, it's 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 an emotional snap. But we never get to see noble Anakin. This is true. And we always see is this this punk teenager who, at the drop of a hat, commits genocide. And there's, we we never get to see this noble person that Obi Wan's talking about in New Hope. He was this great pilot. He was this, you know, my friend. Well, all the stuff, the way he described him, the way you could just in the timbre of his voice, it was this, this admiration he had for him. We just we never get to see that guy. Yeah. And and the first opportunity, he's, I mean, he's still got the weird, you know, Padawan rat tail, and he's committing genocide. So we never get to see awesome Jedi Knight Anakin, mm-hmm. you know. I just feel like that's one of the big flaws here. We never, we never see that guy. Well, and that's why I, what I said about the the weakness being the fact that it's the middle movie, yeah. and you've got to get to what happens in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So a lot of it, a lot of it is shoehorned in this movie, I think. Yeah, we spun our wheels too much in Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. But you know, him committing that genocide—that what you see it even in this movie, even and especially in Revenge of the Sith, how it weighs on him. You know the decisions that he make and how Palpatine twists and turns that little knife there. But we we, we should have seen, like I said, like I said earlier, if we had seen Ian McDermott do more, if we had seen him manipulating Anakin more in this movie, that Mm -hmm. might've helped that make more sense. But we just, we just didn't get enough Ian McDermott in this movie. Now I will mention the coolest thing that I thought in that whole scene in the Tuscan camp is when it flips back to the Jedi temple and you hear Qui-Gon's voice. 
Telly Anakin, no. Yeah. And, and, and Yoda's weirded out. Like Yoda, yes. Yoda feels it. Yeah, yeah, Yoda feels it. Yeah, and he goes grabs Mace and he says something's going on yeah. with this. Yeah, and then you go back to um, you know Hayden's interaction with Natalie Portman in the garage. He's in there trying to fix some stuff, and she's you know what happened, what's going on here. You know, and he's like, you know, I, I couldn't save her. I'll find a way to, you know, I'll even find a way to keep people from dying and she goes full stockholm syndrome and just like and comforts him mm-hmm. like you should be running from this weirdo like, he just com- <laughs> just confessed to committing genocide i just you killed women children <laughs> you men. should be stealing the keys <laughs> getting let, in the spaceship and flying away alone not comforting this guy let me call yoda's direct line and let him know what's going down <laughs> Yes. I'm not dialing 911. That's not what I'm doing at all. <laughs> and, and of course, though, as a longtime Star Wars fan, we did hear the music, though. Mm-hmm. We heard the slow Imperial you know, March there. Yeah, that is one thing. Williams is a genius at dropping these hints, you know, because the music. I wish there was an option on these to turn the words off and just have the, the uh, soundtrack. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to mention this earlier, and I forgot. Um, this is the best score in the prequels. Um, I think this is the overall. I've got probably the biggest nitpicks. Like Phantom Menace is just kind of a bland movie. There's just not enough there. Mm-hmm. This movie has some real problems, <laughs> but the score is so good. Like I was as I was 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 rewatching it this Beautiful. time. I was blown Beautiful. away. I'm like, yeah. It's it's almost wasted. The score yeah. is so good. Even yeah. in like weak spots in the movie, the score is so good. I mean, John Williams really shines in well, this one. To me, with Phantom Menace, the strongest part of that score was Duel of the Fates. Mm, of course. I mean, that, that was the strongest piece because you actually had a chorus along with the music. Yeah. To I mean, so that, that made it very different and distinct within yeah. the Star Wars universe. Um You know, with this one, I think we do like, – I agree with you. The score is extremely strong. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Okay, and on that positive note, I think we're going to go ahead and take a short break before we get into the third and final segment of Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Jamie, who knew that we could talk so much about such a bad movie? Well, you gave it an A, though. Well, (laughs) it does have Star Wars in the title. That's how it happened. That's, That's exactly how it. <laughs> you got the two of us talking about Star Wars with Along a guest. with Sam, I mean, who just come with a notepad of notes. That he was thorough. That dude, I, 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 I'm afraid I overprepare sometimes. Sammy came. I mean, well, I'm never in that situation because I never <laughs> prepare. Uh, no, I'm lying. I do have some ideas. I do have. I, I do like a free flow of conversation, though. But guys, we are splitting this up into two parts. You have just heard the first half of our Star Wars episode two, Attack of the Clones review. We'll be next week posting the follow up to. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And I, I think we've got it divided in a pretty good spot. So, and, and we, we won't make you wait the full two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think we're just going to do the one week, and so you'll you'll get the second half early. Guys, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> 